0: Hello, it's good to talk to you again. It's time to carry on with the digital application of physical capabilities. Now, I had LASIK surgery. A lot of people do fix their eyes, but I went on and I had a ceramic sphere put in my left eye. It's called called camera surgery and it fixed my sight so that I don't need reading glasses and I still have the ceramic disc in my eye to this day and people who know me can look sideways kind of at my face and they can see the ceramic disc in my eye now that's a small benefit because I hated having to carry glasses everywhere and uh, and put on reading glasses if I was reading a menu in a dark restaurant or small lettering on a pill bottle or things like that. Yeah, I've also had ACL surgery uh, uh, to replace my ACL and had a new one put in when I blew out my ACL in my knee some years back. And then my knee was as good as new. And and I think about the just what's happened with healthcare and those two examples and how the physical enhancements helped me in my life quite a bit. Now, I know those are minor and they probably pale in the comparison of what other people have done with technology or healthcare, uh, you know, augmentation to be able to make improvements with their lives, and it pales in comparison to the capabilities we're going to have with new technologies when we look forward into the future. For many of years, science fiction writers and Hollywood directors have created characters that are half human and half-amplified bodies, right? So think about RoboCop or the $6 million man and woman. I mean, we have been extremely interested, it seems like, for many, many years on this concept of being able to to mix, to integrate technology with the human body, to be able to give us more capability, more power. I mean, I think the $6 million man, if you remember that show, if you're if you're old enough like me to remember it, and the $6 million woman, were almost the perfect examples of of what I think people fantasize about. Of, hey, you still have a human face. You're still a human being. You still have your human brain. You just have these physical capabilities that are dimensionally better than everybody around you. Now, I've thought about this a lot. And psychologically, there are two reasons that we seem to be in love with this potential. I and mean, the first is ability to help improve the life and capabilities of someone who's lost a limb or suffers from some limiting ability that maybe they were born with. And so we love the idea of creating a, a fairness in life of being able to help people that, you know, were not born or lost their natural capabilities to be able to gain those capabilities back. The second is the possibility of making improvements to what's possible with our standard biological capabilities. So this is, in this case, not helping somebody that, you know, it's just unfortunate enough to maybe say born without a limb or lost a limb in an accident or hurt themselves in a fall, right? The second one's different. The second one is making improvements when there's no reason necessarily to make the improvements above the natural capabilities that we already have. Now, we are already building exoskeletons that can help workers better perform their physical tasks, and I don't have any problem with that, with building an exoskeleton. If somebody's having to do some mechanical task over and over and over up above their head and you build an exoskeleton, Skeleton helps them or somebody has to lift a lot of weight and you build an exoskeleton to help them better be able to lift that weight, I think this makes all kinds of practical sense. We should do anything that we can do with technology like that that might help a worker better perform a physical task or, again, help somebody walk who doesn't have the ability to walk naturally at this point. Now, those are the two things psychologically, I think, that that make sense in healthy ways for us to think about physically amplifying ourselves. Now, if you look at what's happened over the last decade or two, we've started to make some massive progress with custom prosthetics. In our city that I live in, in Oklahoma City, you know, we have multiple organizations here that have been pioneers with creating custom prosthetics to help people resume walking, running, you know, using their arms and hands. You know, combination of, of robotics, you know, new materials, AI, right? So, I mean, the fact is we're getting closer and closer to that point where a prosthetic could allow somebody to perform better than a natural bodied person. And, you know, if you remember, we had a problem in the Olympics where we had a runner that uh, could run with blades that could almost run as fast or arguably could run as fast as somebody with natural legs. And the Olympics had to decide whether they would let that person perform with somebody with natural legs. And they just chose not to. I don't know what things will look like in the future, but but we certainly will cross the line somewhere soon where we can build prosthetics that will give somebody a better capability to run or stronger capability to use a prosthetic arm uh, or more precise ability to use a prosthetic hand right? than what a natural hand, natural arm, natural leg would give you. Now, There is a science fiction book named Machine Man by Max Berry. And if you ever want to read a good book and an interesting book on the topic we're talking about, go get Machine Man and read it. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the story just so you understand the concept. I'll try not to ruin, you know, what the ending is. But just so you understand the concept of the book, you have an engineer who loses his arm in an accident, an industrial accident. And he is also a brilliant engineer who is able to build a prosthetic arm and put it onto his body in such a way that that prosthetic arm is better than the natural arm he ever had. Well, after he figured out that that was possible for him, he wanted to replace his other arm with another prosthetic so that he could have a balanced upper body, right? Two prosthetic arms. But the company that he worked for would not let him just cut off his arm and put on a prosthetic arm using, you know, their equipment. So he sets up a situation where his arm is purposely cut off, but made it look like an axe And so that way he had to have another prosthetic arm. But then he started thinking, you know, what if? I mean, what if I had two prosthetic legs? Now, obviously, no organization was going to sanction him being able to, uh, to get two prosthetic legs. You'll have to read the rest of the story because he does get the prosthetic legs and then it goes on and it's very interesting. And I don't want to spoil it. Max Berry would be upset with me. I would just suggest if you get a chance, go read it because the story and the moral of what is going on in that story is an interesting one for the world that we're getting ready to step into. When we talk about what we can do to enhance ourselves physically. Now, are there going to be people that have the same mentality as we're able to build prosthetics or we're able to build technology that can allow people to perform better physically if they were unnatural than if they were natural? And let me remind you from the last podcast, right? People took steroids, still do, I'm sure, even though they know there's huge consequences. It might not be cutting off your arm. The consequences might be worse, but people would try chemical enhancement to try to give themselves an edge from a physical standpoint. So, I mean, the moment we create capabilities that can enhance our ability to physically perform, there likely will be people who give almost anything to have those enhancements if it's better than what naturally people would normally have. Again, that's the interesting story of the book and why I think you need to read the book now. Will there also be a percentage of people who will say, I refuse to ever have any kind of amplification? If I lost an arm, I I don't ever even want to replace it. I will just, you know, choose to live with one arm and stay natural. Yes, I believe that we will have people like that as well. It just they might be the minority. Is it also possible that there are a group of people that might find some balance of being able to use technology to physically amplify themselves? Again, like the exoskeletons that they can take off at the end of the day, you know, or that they enhance themselves, but only in some minor way. In other words, I think about a watchmaker who gets an enhanced hand, right? Has his hand removed or her hand removed and a new hand put on that is able to do much more precision work because they are a watchmaker. And with one hand, Hand that can do very, very precise things, they would be better at being able to be a watchmaker. I mean, is it possible that this is what happens going forward into the future? Again, if we look back into the past, as I have, and you look at what people seem to have been willing to do to get some advantage, you know, it, it is definitely interesting to think about what could happen with physical enhancements. Now, I do want to explore further something I brought up in the last podcast. When I say technology enhancements, a lot of times people today think digital right? They just think digital or maybe digital and AI. And we think about the way prosthetics work today, right? Maybe mechanical uh, with really interesting materials and small you know, parts and pieces, maybe driven a bit by algorithms or AIs, right? That's the way we think about physical augmentation today. But looking forward, we're going to see an expansion of biotech and nanotech capabilities. And these might have much more uh, of, a, of an interesting outcome with being able to amplify our capabilities. In other words, we may see more from nanotech and biotech than what we see from the current digital and AI technologies in enhancing our bodies. Now, if science fiction is making the right call on nanotechnology, then, you know, this would be one of the major ways that we would repair our bodies at the cellular level to be improved or better connected to the digital technologies. In other words, we could use nanotechnology or nanotechnology robots to do very precise reconfigurations at a cell level of our bodies. I mean will we one day swallow nano robots that are geared or programmed to repair or improve anything in our body I mean it sounds reasonable to me and it always has so when I read science fiction and somebody broke a leg and they drank a glass of nanobots and and the nanobots went in and wove their leg back together like that seems to make sense to me or if they had liver damage right they would drink a glass of nanobots and the nanobots would be programmed to go in and rebuild the liver it does seem like this makes sense to to me that we could do this. And think about you know not only just healing the human body, healing the aging body, but think about the ability to amplify the human body by the use of nanotech especially mixed with digital technology and other technologies and then what about biotechnology we already have biotechnology we're further down the road with biotech than we are nanotech so biotech you know we can improve our physical capabilities at a DNA level right I mean we've seen in many science fiction movies we could go further we could allow parents to design or change the physical features or capabilities of their children I seriously doubt that that when we have these kinds of capabilities, right, the the much more expanded biotech capabilities than what we already have, we can mix those with nanotech and digital tech. And then you have parents who are able to either architect or re-architect their children to give their children an advantage in the world. I cannot believe that there will not be a decent amount of parents that will do anything for their kids to give their kids a better life than they have. And once you have even a 10% or 15% of parents who are are willing to use any combination of nanotech biotech digital tech to give their their young children a boost in life whether that's a boost in how they play sports a boost in in their knowledge level right a boost in being able to heal faster than other children like once you have some meaningful number, again, I'll just say 10 to 15%, you know, some strong minority, it puts pressure on the others to do the same. I mean, that is in our competitive world, which we've talked about, you know, once somebody can stand out as better than the others, then everybody feels the need to get up to that level. I mean, I always think about the four-minute mile. I mean, once Roger Bannister ran the four-minute mile, well, then many other ran the four-minute mile. Why? Because one person set the bar high enough, and everybody else said, oh, that's possible. So I see the same thing happening with parents and their children, where they're able to combine these technologies to be able to improve or amplify their children, and then putting pressure on other parents to do the same. Huh. I then worry about humans' propensity to amplify physical capabilities... For their army, you know, how do we create better soldiers? Which we say to ourselves, well, it's just security, it's just it's just protecting ourselves. That's why we want physically amplified soldiers. That's why we want digital centaurs, right? Highly evolved soldiers with highly evolved technology that that's built into them or around them. I mean, our governments in the world, governments and politicians are not really known for making great decisions when it comes to what they do with the de- what they call defense, right? Their armies, if they have an ability to. Re- Rearchitect a human to be a soldier, and the soldier agrees to be rearchitected. I have a hard time believing uh, the United States and others aren't going to create highly augmented soldiers and pilots. Again, just something I'm worried about because once that happens, what happens when they're not soldiers and pilots anymore, and then they come out into the regular world? What kind of dynamic does that have? It's it's hard for me to imagine that scientists, technologists are going to stop progressing. And now that we have AI, that can help them move even further faster with what they are building to augment us physically. I can't imagine any future that's not going to be what, what science fiction writers have talked about for a long time and what I've been describing through the first and now this podcast. But what I really want to share with you is more the philosophical thinking about How should we look to? How should we solve the problem of unnatural amplification? Because we need to think this through before we're too far down the rabbit hole and have made too many mistakes that could haunt us for generations. I mean, it's easy to sit here and make predictions about where technology is going to go. It's easy to paint pictures for you about how I see it going. It's much harder to be able to figure out what are the implications of that. And the example that we have had for a long time and we really have to keep in mind is texting, right? We we figured out how to do text messaging on mobile devices so that we had a new way to communicate with each other, but we never thought about the, uh, the outcomes of that. All of the people that would die on the roads because they're texting and driving, you know, all, all of the people who have injured relationships because of the misuse of text messaging, right? We could say the same thing with social technologies. We invent technologies and we routinely don't seem to understand what the side effects are going going to be. In this case, as we start augmenting ourselves physically, we need to think very soberly about what this means, and it might be wise to put some boundaries in place. Right to start thinking about: is this really good for us? Is this not good for us? Or what could be good for us? And where do we draw the lines? A bit like sports have had to draw the lines as far as how much physical aid are you are you allowed to have? I use the example of uh, football. You know, back in the 70s, when people go wear stickum and wear. Greg Pruitt could wear a tearaway jersey, right? And between the stick 'em and the tearaway jersey, right? The Browns tried to get an advantage, but today those have been made quote unquote illegal by the NFL. You can still wear pads, you can still wear helmets. In fact, they want you to, right? You can still wear cleats that help you on a rainy day, but they are drawing lines as far as how enhanced can a football player be. It is an interesting thing to think about about will we draw lines as far as how enhanced a human being can be. All right, on the optimistic side. I do love the view of the future where we can help people heal and repair their bodies when they have been impaired in some way. I love the idea of being able to give you know, unfortunate people, a chance at a fair playing field uh, to live in. I think that would be wonderful because there are a lot of people through no fault of their own have had some physical damage that limits them in life in some way. And I I love the thought that we can have technology, biotech, nanotech that can help repair their bodies to, like I said, at least put them on a a fair playing field, but also just allow them to have a, a very fruitful life where they don't have to have the struggles of some missing or damaged physical capability. I also love the view of using physical application to just improve our capabilities to solve problems, right? Or or to help us be able to do physical activities without the risk of damage. You know, although technology always causes some problems for humanity on the whole, I believe it also can solve more problems than it causes. And I know when I just made that statement, I, I could sit here and spend the rest of this podcast for probably an hour giving examples on both sides of this ledger, right, of of where technology is causing problems and where technology is solving problems. But let me just pick out one area of life and let's just kind of run with that. Technology of all kind will like likely extend life expectancy and improve the quality of life for people with any physical issue. Now, that's not much of a prediction because we've had that for the last, you know, hundred to, you know, and certainly improved a lot in the last 40 to 50 years. So I don't see technology stopping its ability uh, to just improve the quality of life, extend the length of life. Now, to a lot of people, that sounds really good, right? I don't have to be old and frail at, in my 80s or 90s, right? I can live to be 110 and feel, you know, very healthy. A lot of people, hey, more years are better, you know, better years are better. But on the other side of that, of course, there would be a lot of economic issues. If people live longer, it's going to cause all kinds of issues with using resources. Who is funding people in the later life? Will they also have to work longer? Will, will the concept of retirement just go away? But it's certainly going to have a lot of economic Economic issues. If we use technology to allow people to have a better quality of life and to live many years longer, it also could have very damaging environmental impacts. It could straight up increase the amount of people in the world. I mean, if you think if you extended life by twenty percent and we have eight billion people in the world, right? That that means you immediately have you know what one point six billion more people just because you extend life, and so there could be huge environmental impacts of that. Well, uh, then again, if we're really good with nanotech, biotech, and digital technology, maybe we can use those technologies to you know to help us better manage the environment so that we could have much less damage to planet Earth and much better ability to create the foods and the nutrients that we need to eat, right? So this is the problem when you start thinking about technology and its impacts. And if you look at only the bad or only the good, right? And it is no question that healthcare is going to benefit and help us You know, physically live longer, live better lives. I trust that scientists will be able to do that. There will also be negative consequences of all of that. And this is what technology does it gives and it also takes away. It becomes a catalyst that is extremely multifaceted when it comes to outcomes. Now, let's go back to the formula that I believed in for years, I wrote about years ago, and I still say so many times when people ask me questions is... I believe the impact of technology, nanotech, biotech, digital tech, all of it is 55% good and 45% bad. Now, I don't believe that just because I want to believe that. I believe that because I've spent decades observing technology's impacts, trying to not be a bigot for technology of where it's all good, but trying to to be Balance at really looking at, okay, well, what ultimately is good about this type of technology and what is negative about this type of technology? And I I think the fact that we spend so much money to build more of it, that we have so many people that use it to such a deep level, I think that also shows us that it's got to be something like 55% good and 45% bad. I do not think that we are filled with a world that has so many evil people in it that you know, technology, uh, the negative side of technology gets amplified by all these evil people. I believe that we have more good people than evil people in the world. And if the good people use technology at such a heavy level, I mean, the argument is either technology isn't as bad as some people say it is sometimes, or the good people are very naive. Any of these are philosophical arguments we could make. Uh, Again, I'm going to stick with my observation of technology as of this point is it's generally 55% percent good for humanity and has 45 percent negative aspects for humanity. Now, there is always the philosophical debate that we could talk about if we use an example like nuclear energy, and we can say, hey, nuclear energy, when it is creating power, is some of the cleanest power we can can generate. It, It is much better than coal, much better than fossil fuels. And so there's a lot to like about, you know, nuclear fission, that we can create nuclear power plant, and it is the best environmentally safe way to create power in the world. And then we can say on the other side of it, there are nuclear bombs or that a a nuclear reactor can melt down and blow up. And so there are the positives and the negatives with nuclear fission. And I suppose the same with nuclear fusion when we get further down that road. Uh, I even look at nuclear and say, okay, I believe it's 55% good and 45% bad. Yes, we can make bombs out of it. Yes, a nuclear power facility could melt down and we've had that happen. But on the whole, if I look at what nuclear, capability is able to provide for us if we played it out, you know, versus our ability to contain the negatives of that. I have faith in humanity that we have more of an ability to exploit what is positive about nuclear fusion or fission than we do the negatives. I believe it'll be the same with amplifying our physical capabilities. We'll face a future for sure that is going to be augmenting us physically. We have too many seeds planted. There are too many human reasons why we will seek to continue to give ourselves a fair or an unfair advantage. So it's a good time to start talking about what can we do? What can we do to be amplified without this being a a dark, cloud hanging over humanity. And generally in humanity, the more we think about things up front, the uh, the more we are sounding an alarm and doing everything we can to be able to lower the risk and amplify the opportunities, the better we are. Where we really fail is when we don't ask these questions and we invent something and then we just throw it out into the world. And then we get painted into a dark corner because we didn't give any thought at all to putting guardrails around the technology that we put out. I mean, you have to admit, now, if you're really studying what's going on with AI, we have spent much more time talking about the negative, possible negative aspects of AI than we have just about any other technology. And we seem to have a lot of people really working on how to provide appropriate guardrails for AI. Now, will there be digital criminals and people who purposely try to create AIs that are exploitive? Absolutely, because this is human nature. But I do feel better that we're at least asking a lot of philosophical questions about AI, how to keep guardrails guardrails around it and how to limit the negative impact on the world. But we can't go into AI because that's part of the next podcast where we talk about the digital amplification of intellectual capabilities. So I do want to go back to the question I asked in the last podcast right off the bat. Would I have a brain-computer interface put in if it allowed me to talk to technology or interface with technology at the speed of thought? No more typing. Just looking at a piece of technology and thinking and having whatever I want done, done on the screen at the speed of thought. I have considered this ever since I first heard about a brain-computer interface, and we have heard about those for years now. The more I've thought about it, the more I've thought, you know, I would be tempted. If I knew that the surgery, right, to do the implant, was safe, I think I would be all in because I would love to spend some of the later years of my life uh, being able to experiment and see what it would like to be a digital centaur. Now, if I were 20 years old, would I want an implant? I don't know. Maybe I'd want one to be competitive. Maybe I'd say, nope, I don't want to have that in my brain for the rest of my life. But at my age now, I think I would actually consider having a brain-computer interface put in if it gave me a level of capability that I really thought I could do something positive with. So there you go. There's my answer. I'd love for you to think about your answer. And then let's have a great Humology Day. Until next time. Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let this be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at S. or on LinkedIn. I also write a blog that you can find at scottklazowski.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing, please take a moment and rate this podcast on whatever platform you use. Ideas are powerful change agents, and positive reviews will help spread the digital optimism.